This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You may also like... A show about the things you may also like. Things like quitting your job and touring the world full-time. The thing about YouTube is that every time you search for something, you run the risk of finding something new and wonderful every time. While seeking out the latest incarnation of Spanish tapas and looking for the hot new spots in Seville, Avery and I discovered two awesome global travelers named Jeff Hunt and Angela Bilecki. At first, I found them wandering Malaga and their previous videos in Granada, and as it turned out, they'd also been to Turkey. Later on, they'd head to Seville and then off to Morocco. Each place they went to, they would stay at for about a month. So, what's their story? And how does a couple sell everything they have to travel and live globally? So, I did what I always do. I reached out to them and asked. Jeff Hunt and Angela Balecki joined me from this month's home in Rabat, Morocco. How did you two meet? Jeff had been living in the Bahamas for uh, for a long time. How long? Almost 20 years. Almost 20 years. And I went down there. There's a little ashram slash yoga retreat. And I went to take a yoga teacher training. And Jeff would come over in the evening for the meditation sessions and whatnot. And um, I kind of spied him from across the room. I nudged my friend. I was like, oh, like, check that guy out. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, was, I chased him around for a bit, and finally he relented. Yeah, that's about the way it went down, <laughs> yeah. And, Jeff, you're originally from the Tampa Bay area in Florida, and you found your way to the Bahamas. Uh, yeah, well, I grew up in Tampa, Florida. And then I moved to the Bahamas in 1998, and I was there for almost 20 years before she convinced me to move to Canada. It always starts with a yoga class, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So what were your former occupations? I was uh, the director of operations for a cannabis company in uh, Brampton, Ontario. And I spent my entire life in the construction industry, in some capacity or another. And between the two of you, uh, how many kids do you have, if any? <laughs> You want to go first? How many you have? I have absolutely zero. I have five children and a granddaughter. Wow. And baby granddaughter. Yeah, that was new. So what spurred you to redesign your lives to focus on travel? The pandemic. We had a thing. We would travel every year. We would try and get away. We tried every year. If not every year, it was every two years. We would try and get away for three, four week vacations, go see somewhere new in the world. Then the pandemic hit with the year of the pandemic. We were supposed to spend a month in Spain and Portugal. Once the pandemic hit, that was over. And it kind of, it happened very fast at that point. We kind of made the decision that we were done. We were going to go travel the world full time. We were getting older. We knew that there was going to be a lot of places that we wouldn't get to see if we didn't do this. 
I think the pandemic really brought that home in the sense that, you know, we, when we're planning trips, we have this list of places we want to see. And then when you have what looks like a year or two, maybe three years ahead of you where you're not going to be able to travel, we started to see like our possibilities begin to shrink, right? Plus, as we said, we're 45 and 50 and we're like, we're never going to check off this bucket list at, at two vacations a yeah. year or one vacation a year every two weeks. It's not going to happen. So we kind of just made the decision and, and, you know, made some steps where we're like the second we can travel after this pandemic is over, we are out of here. What did your families think? <laughs> Surprisingly, everybody has been very supportive. Everybody. My kids have been supportive of the whole thing. Her family's all been very supportive. My mom is our number one fan. She thinks yeah. this is the coolest thing in the world. Uh, so I'm pretty sure most of our views are from her mother. My mom is. <laughs> yeah. Where did you pick up the video editing skills? We didn't. You've watched the videos. Come on. Uh, completely honest with you, we had no experience filming, no experience editing. We got to Istanbul, and that was literally the first time well, the little bit of stuff, we filmed a couple of scenes in Toronto before we left. But the, every when you're watching the videos, all of that Istanbul footage, the first video we released, was all done after we got on the road. No experience whatsoever. And that's why, quite honestly, the videos can be a little cringy. <laughs> we're learning. But th that's the thing. You know, we're learning very quickly as we go here how to do this. They started off very rough. Yeah. Um, and I think that we very naively were like, like a lot of people, you watch YouTube videos and you are like, oh, I could do that. You stand in front of the camera, you talk about what you're standing in front of, and then you just throw it on the internet. And we were extremely naive thinking that this was going to be an easy process, especially because neither of us have any background in this kind of thing. So we first initially turned on the camera, we'd stare at it. We're, we're awkward. We don't know what we're saying. Um, we still do that. We <laughs> You turn the camera on yourself and you're like, oh my God, I don't know what to do right now. It's, it's, it's a little bit more comfortable than when we first started doing it, but it's, it's, it's difficult. It's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's been a constant evolution to just kind of picking up little tips and tricks. You know, we watch YouTube videos constantly just yeah. trying, to, trying to continue learning on this because we're only about six months in. Well, that's fascinating because you don't have to do this. You know, realize you could just travel the world and just keep the videos for yourself and send them back to your family. You don't have to do a blog and you don't have to do all the social media that you're doing to support this. So what encouraged you or what spurred you on to, to put yourself out there at this level where, you know, I guess I'm connecting with you right now through a podcast. We would love, we would love to be able to make a living out of doing this. Like I said, when the pandemic hit, we started watching travel vlogs and a lot of your bigger name personalities out there on YouTube, your Drew Binskys, your Naren Cates, uh, Ava Zubek, INT Affair, and I just fell in love with what they were doing. So we started thinking to ourselves, you know, we're, we're at this kind of vulnerable position in our lives. You know, we're middle-aged, like we're in the prime of our earning years, and we've decided to do this. We are also thinking down the road, you know, if we can somehow or another make this work out where we can actually have an income coming in from this would be fantastic. So why not throw ourselves out there on YouTube? We'll do it. What's the worst that's going to happen? We're, we put out some crappy videos. We've done that already. <laughs> hopefully we evolve. We get better. We're actually producing something that's halfway decent that people are interested in and want to see. And how brave are you to go and make the purchase of a drone? I mean, did you know how to operate a drone before you did this? No, <laughs> no, none of it. We didn't. Well, like I said, we didn't know how to use the camera. <laughs> so yeah. The first couple of videos that we did, those settings on that camera were on auto, 
at all times. And it's horrible. And then when I switched it off of auto, I still didn't know what I was doing. So there was a drone, there was a GoPro, there's the cameras, there's microphones, there's the editing software. We went and dropped a bunch of money on all of this stuff and said, we're going to make it work. One way or another, this is going to work. Angela manifests really well. So <laughs> I, I, t I put full faith in her manifestation ability to make something happen. So you did touch on this in one of your videos, and that's you know about the drone, and I love the drone footage. But when you take a drone in the, to the middle of Seville or Istanbul, and you know the drone goes up, I mean you don't know what the local rules are necessarily for shooting. And uh, have you run into any encounters where you can't? Um, well, you you're researching all of the rules before you end up into the country. I, I'm like right now where we are now, we couldn't bring a drone in, so I sent the drone back to Canada. The drone's back in Toronto right now. We'll end up with it back this summer, but like Istanbul, you're, you're not going to fly that drone in the Sultanahmet area around the Hagia Sophia and Topapki Palace and everything else there. They have drone blocking material where you can't even take off. And if you're going to try and fly around the Hagia Sophia, you've got to have written express permission from the government at that point. So you know. So like when you watch our drone footage, I'm in Ronda, Spain, or I've used it in Dalian, Turkey, in Astuzu Beach, places like this. There was nobody around. Nobody was going to question us of whether we used the drone or not at that point. So, so I did find that fascinating because you were sending the drone home. And I thought, why are they sending the drone home? Is it going to get stopped at the border or did you just send it home because we're just not going to be able to use it where we're going? We're in Morocco right now, so you cannot bring a drone into Morocco. It'll be confiscated at the airport if you try and sneak it in. And believe me, when we came in, they scanned my camera gear backpack and immediately pulled me off to the side and dug through it to make sure that there was no drone in there. So... It's just not worth taking the chance on losing it at that point. We know that we're going to end up somewhere this summer where we're going to be able to get it back pretty quickly. So these few months that we're here in Morocco, it's we just don't have it. Tell me about the visa and the European visa specifically, because there was a time you were, well, you're on the clock and you got to move and get out of you know, Europe all of a sudden. What was that visa and how long did you get to stay there before you had to move? So that's a typical uh, Schengen zone tourist visa, which allows you 90 days out of the previous 180 days. Uh, so it's kind of like rolling forward. Anytime in the past 180 days, you can only be there for 90. And because we never left, we basically had 90 days in a row. And now we can't go back in for another three months. But we do like to travel slowly, right? We see a lot of travel vloggers who are in a different city every couple days. And we just wouldn't be able to maintain that pace between the editing that Jeff has to do, the consulting work that I do. So we basically spent our full three Schengen months that we were allowed in the country of Spain, which was glorious, uh, yeah. such a such a lovely place. I'm glad we chose it, uh, specifically in the south of Spain, Andalusia, and and we got to avoid that uh, lovely Canadian weather that you're enjoying right now. Yeah, so that's actually how I came across you guys. I love traveling to Spain and especially to the area that you're in. And I'm watching, and I go, "Hey, check out these two. They've stolen my life. They're living the life I would like to lead in the place I would like to lead the life." And at which point I, I immediately assumed a lot of, of, of anger and hatred towards you. But I soon learned to appreciate the, the moves you had made in life to get to, to where you are. So I don't mind talking about Spain for just a sec. You did Granada, Malaga, and Seville. Which one of those places should I spend my winter in next year? 
Sevilla, without question. Unless you're a beach guy, but the, the city vibe there is is just unbeatable. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a lovely city. It was my favorite city in Spain, yeah. without question. Yeah, so I get that feeling, too, that you know, places like Malaga, which is on the beach, it feels like a Spanish city that, that's just on the beach. You're not going swimming because the temperatures are around 10. That's 50 for you, Jeff. But Seville looks like a place that is just... It, it feels like it's just right. Not too big, not too small. Uh, historically, just so significant. Right. And uh, the food is fantastic. Uh, the wine. Is the wine. Fantastic. Oh, the <laughs> wine is so cheap, Matt. Like, it was really our downfall. You'd go to the grocery store there, and you're getting like, a decent bottle of wine for like a, a euro 50. So that was slightly problematic for us. <laughs> <laughs> It's we drank a lot of wine. We drank yeah. too much wine. Uh, ate way too much ham. But uh, being in Morocco, that's especially during Ramadan, that's being rectified for us uh, in, in spite of what we may wish to do. I know you had some problems with the microphone in your food tour of Seville. I'm the one who is most disappointed with that because I love the food in Seville. And I'm thinking to myself, Jeff, do a voiceover of just the pictures that you have. I know you've got no audio, but could you do a voiceover of just the pictures? Well, yeah, I suppose we could. We could take the footage and do something with it. It's, it's It was really unfortunate, and, you know, it, it's just one of those horrible mistakes. We bought a little microphone because one of our big issues with filming is the camera and the lenses that I'm, I use most of the time, they don't do very well in low-light conditions surprisingly her iphone will shoot great in low light so i bought a wireless lav mic that could hook up to that that was the root of all of it and me being silly didn't record one scene and then check the footage i just compiled everything and then i sat down to edit the video and went oh my god the whole video is like that so like and if you go watch a couple of the other videos right in that same time frame there the, uh, what was it, our traveling experience one of trying to get into Morocco. There's horrible audio in some of those videos there where I just had to use it to, so we didn't scrap four videos. But, Matt, if you really want the footage, I'll send you the footage from <laughs> the food tour. We had a lot of fun there. We met a lot of people. We had a whole night of us out with some friends of ours. We met a couple of uh, bloggers who have been traveling around the world for three years. And we met them in Seville. And we met a couple of other YouTubers in Seville. So we had this whole night out doing tapas and drinks with a, a bunch of people that were supposed to be part of the food tour that we never got to air. So if you want the footage, I'll send it directly to you. <laughs> I just want the list of restaurants that you went to because I'm always compiling this stuff for when I go to uh, do my traveling. That's an easy one. We can put that together for you and just email that one to you. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. 
That's the number four kids flashback. You may also like Supports Podcasting 2.0. So feel free to send us a boost if you're listening on a newer podcast app. If you don't have one, you can see the full list of them at newpodcastapps.com. Angela, you touched on uh, work and doing a little bit of consulting. What is work like for, for you or both of you in this case in terms of being digital nomads? I'm basically working with uh, a couple of contacts that I had had previously in my previous life, in my career uh, in Toronto. Right now, I'm just kind of doing some data analytics, uh, so organizational help with some people I had known previously. So I'm lucky that way. I really kind of didn't have to scramble for digital work before I left. I'd had a conversations with some people that I know and just decided to make it make it happen. But I had been trying to, when you asked kind of, you know, you don't have to do this YouTube thing, I had kind of been trying to get Jeff to do this digital nomad thing yep. for, for, for years now. And because Jeff's work isn't really conducive to working online, right? He, he was very resistant until during the pandemic, he was watching all of those YouTube videos and he said, you know what? I'll do this. So it's kind of like I'm doing the digital nomad thing in the sense that, you know, there's a little bit of money coming in. We're not digging into our savings too hard. And Jeff is, is, you know, learning to edit videos, learning to edit videos. And, and, you know, as he said, it's like a total dream come true if we could make anything off of this, right? Never mind, make enough to support us to keep going. So we just hit our thousand subscribers on YouTube, which allows us to monetize was a huge deal for us. We're super excited about that. But when we say earning money off of YouTube, you know, you make you make something like a a few dollars per 1000 views. So it's a slog to get there. Well, your videos are better than you're letting on, because we love them. The video is shot nicely. It's authentic. And you're living your lives. And I think that's the thing that people are really looking for. So I think people really do appreciate the authenticity that that goes into what you're doing. And congratulations on getting to a 1,000. I am not a YouTube first person. I'm obviously audio and podcast. But we saw a big spike at the beginning of the pandemic, March 2020. I'm not even at a 1,000 YouTube subscribers yet. And I've been doing this for five years. So congratulations. Thank you very wow. much. Yeah, we we really did not expect this to happen before we even left, we were kind of putting a goal out. Our goal was a thousand subscribers, and we were hoping that we might hit it in a year, a year and a half after getting out there and releasing our first video. And it happened right at the six month mark. So we're extremely happy for that. And thank you very much. And I work in audio like often. So, like, when I watched you go and get the wireless microphone, and then the wireless microphone didn't work, I was yelling at the TV and saying, no, never anything wireless. <laughs> I, I feel your pain because wireless gadgets, a lot of the stuff just doesn't match up. It doesn't match the video. And I don't even know how you got any of the sound to sound as good as it did in a place like Spain because everybody is so loud there. So <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, you know, we, we came to Spain from Turkey and when we were in Turkey, the people there were just so damn happy to see us, right? Yeah. I guess they hadn't had tourists in a long time. And so the, the people there were so forthcoming, so friendly, so hospitable. And then we got to Spain. And for the most part, they just don't give a damn about tourists. They kind of just want you to go away. So Understandably, uh, it's that whole be a, be a tourist being in your city. You're just like, hey, get out of here. But yeah, it was uh, like in Turkey, like she's saying, everybody was extremely hospitable. And then when we got to Spain, they were like... <laughs> We don't care who you are, if you're a tourist, what you want, get just go away. Yeah, just it was whatever. It, it was a very big contrast. <laughs> and then 
we were trying to kind of pick up some Spanish. We try to pick up a little bit of every language of every place we go to. And so we would begin a sentence and I'd look at it in Google Translate and I'd read it and reread it so I could at least have my like opening salvo in this conversation. And I would put my best effort into it and blurt out a sentence in Spanish and they would just look at me like they felt so sorry for me and then go, just speak English. So that was my experience too. In Barcelona, I've got a grasp of French and some Spanish. I could get by and they would understand no problem. And then I took the train to Seville and I was dead in the water. As far as, as far as your Spanish speaking goes? Oh yeah. There was no chance. <laughs> I guess you're probably going to experience that throughout a lot of Spain. We get, we ran around like Ronda and Centennial and everything else as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was really hard. What part of your lives are going to be lived in Toronto or in North America? Do you have like a few months that you're going to dedicate to? To grounding yourself for a little bit? I don't think so. No, um, we have no plans for that. At least we have plans for family members to come and visit us. You know, to meet them in certain places. Fortunately, they like to travel, so we've had kind of have plans to meet up with them. But to go back and forth to Toronto uh, doesn't make sense simply because a the cost of living there is so drastically different yeah. from where we are right now as well as the traveling back and forth and whatnot. A lot of people might watch our YouTube videos and think, oh, these people have a ton of money in the bank and they're just going to kind of run it. But the truth is, is, you know, we're, we're on a limited budget, right? If we don't have any money coming in, we're, we're off the road in a year or two tops, right? So we're kind of trying to watch it and the travel back and forth doesn't really make sense to us at this time. Okay. So you both do yoga. So now I'm going to inject a little bit of yoga in here because I've done a little bit of time in in yoga studios, namely four times a week. What you're doing right now is not very grounded. So what's the mindset to, you know, living a life that's not very grounded? I may want to disagree with that in the sense that, you know, staying in one place necessarily doesn't make it grounded. And I think that as we said, we are doing this quite slowly because strangely enough, Jeff and I are both homebodies <laughs> and we are both creatures of habit. So, you know, for the most part, we're out maybe two times a week exploring, eating out, etc. But like our home routine is more or less, with the exception of us, like going to work every day is, is more or less the same. We wake up, we have our coffee, we sit in front of our computers, we do our work, we'll take a break, we'll have lunch, lunch brunch, whatever right. it may be. But for the most part, we've got like a day-to-day routine that most other people might recognize, especially those who work from home, except for the fact that when we do decide to go out, we just have something new and interesting every time, right? So- so yeah, it's kind of cool. We decide to go out. We get to go see the Seville Cathedral. You know, we get to go trek through the Sahara Desert. That's our going out day that once a week. That's the only real difference. Everything else is the same. I'm not on a construction site anymore. I'm in front of a computer now. So that's weird. But it's work. It's this. This is not easy. Yeah. And so that's exactly what I'm thinking, too. You're living the exact same life I'm living, doing the you know, similar work from, you know, a computer and being a bit of a digital nomad. The only difference is you're doing it in Morocco and Seville, and I'm doing it in Winnipeg. Right. So why, why Matt? Why are you in Winnipeg? <laughs> why are you not in Seville right now? Give me two weeks, I'll be there. You're going to be in Seville in two weeks. 
Yeah. So we're going to be doing a trip that's going to be going to about seven places in Spain. So my big travel thing is Spain. I love it. It's a big country and there's so much to see. And I constantly find myself going back to rediscover um, all the places because I don't feel that you can do Seville in, in five days. You need to do it for a month. And so I think I'm going to be spending a lot more time there. And that's really how I got Googling and how I found you was look at these people there. They're doing a month in Seville and then a month in Granada and a month. You know, it's astounding. I go, this is exactly what I want. So that's that's how I connected here to you and really wanted to know more. Well, if we will have to get on that Seville food tour video <laughs> to get you all the places if you're going to be there in two weeks. Hey, for anybody who wants to become a digital nomad or consider doing what you're doing now, what do they need to know? <laughs> you should probably start there. Anyone who wants to be a digital nomad. I, I think that the pandemic has helped a lot with that. A lot of uh, workplaces have shifted to remote work. I think it's something that five years ago probably would have been a lot more difficult than it is right now. That being said, you know, I've, I've heard that a lot of uh, corporations are trying to get everyone back in office, which is a shame. Because I came out of the construction industry, I'm, I'm editing YouTube videos and I'm learning. So I have no advice on for somebody on how to go about becoming a digital nomad. If you want to get out on the road and travel, what I would say is travel is not nearly as expensive as most people make it out to be. If you're watching our videos and you've seen our cost of living videos, we are living for a, even a, even during our big months in Spain, Sevilla was our by far our most expensive month since we've been on the road still much cheaper than what we would have been paying out of pocket in Toronto. So for us to be able to do it, we were able to save money. So we were able to get ourselves out there and get started. Angela makes a little bit of money online, stops us from digging into our savings so much. But as far as advice I could give somebody to, yeah, I don't really know that I have any advice. Yeah, but it's a good point he makes in the sense that it's a lot cheaper than people think that it is. And that if you're not kind of aiming towards kind of climbing the corporate ladder or banking a ton for retirement, it, it is a very feasible thing to do yeah. uh, with with the difference. If you're making U.S. or Canadian dollars and you're living in you know, Turkey, for example, that, that dollar goes a long way. And it may be a lot more feasible than most people think it is. Well, guys, I think this is an incredible story that you've done so much in this particular period of time that you you know have started this travel around the world. What's next? Where are you looking to head to next over the next six months? Should we spell it? Yeah, why not? Okay. Next Monday, we are leaving Morocco and we're heading to Egypt for a month. Then after that, we're not sure exactly. Uh, things change really quickly. Right now, we're kind of planning out that we're going to be in the Balkans for most of the summer. Uh, starting in mid-May until early fallish, at which point we'll probably head to Southeast Asia. That's incredible. That's the rough outline at this, at this time, yeah. But next, we wanted to kind of knock those pyramids off our bucket list, yeah. go see the Nile uh, and all that, since we're already here in Northern Africa. My family is from Croatia, and we'll probably be meeting up there sometime in the summertime. And then... Yeah, we've always wanted to go to Southeast Asia. We have visited. We've been. We've been we to have, Thailand. Before. We have been, but once again, you know, cost of living can't be beat. The weather is uh, fantastic. So we're. The food's great. The food is amazing. We love Asian food. So we're just kind of itching to get out there. Our original plan was to go to Southeast Asia yep. first. We but actually had tickets booked to Thailand. 
but because uh, their quarantine and COVID requirements were particularly tough when we left last uh, August, we kind of uh, shifted the plan and started in this area of the world first. Well, I think what you guys are doing is amazing, and I hope everybody can go and subscribe to your YouTube channel and uh, connect with the blogs and everything that you're doing. And uh, for anybody who is listening to this, everything is in the show notes of this episode. And thanks for joining me on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Matt. Great to meet you. Thanks for listening to You May Also Like. You may also like our website at youmayalsolike.net. The show is produced by Evan Serminski and built for your ears by everyone at the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.